welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Tricia Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, welcome to episode seven of Lifting Leaders podcast. Um, today, Crystal and I are going to talk about culture. Um, specifically, we're going to be kind of hearkening back to the last episode we did with Andrea Lucky and where she was talking about culture and community. We're going to be talking about culture and um, maybe a little bit of different twist on whether we're looking at culture fit or culture ad today. So Crystal, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm excited to um, dig a little deeper into some of the gems, uh, really particularly one gem that Andy left us. We There were so many from that oh. podcast. It was great. So if you haven't had a chance to actually listen to it, I encourage you to go back and listen and um, find your own gems. But today we are really looking at one that inspired us particularly um, around culture fit versus culture ad. And Trisha did some really, you did some interesting research in around that. You know, I did. I was when we were having our discussion with Andrea last, last week, I was thinking about how it didn't sound unfamiliar to me. It did sound familiar, culture ad and culture fit. However, I could not for the life of me remember why. So I decided to go on the web and kind of do a little researching. And I found that there are a million different articles on culture fit versus culture ad. Many of them are by our usual um, reputable go-tos like Harvard Business Review and Forbes. And we had some others that I had not seen before that I thought were really interesting. One is by a company called Kazoo. And they are a company that helps people and helps organizations with their cultures and with diversity and with all things about their culture, innovation, you name it, they they work with you on that. And so I went through their article. I found a lot of really cool gems there. And I also wanted to see just why was it that I had heard this before? I mean, how far, how long have I known about this, but just totally put it on the back burner. And so I found some articles that went back as far as 2013. So this is clearly not new, but it made me wonder why is it that it sounds new? Why is it that we haven't heard this all along since 2013? Is it because businesses weren't ready or they didn't know how to do that? And is it that it took a pandemic and a, you know, a complete reset on our earth for us to start looking at doing something differently. And so that's what I'm hoping today we can unpack a little bit. Um, Andrea brought that to us last week, and I thought, what a nugget, what a wonderful gem for us to take away. And it's got me thinking about how I need to think back on my, on my day job, you know, <laughs> what I need to think differently about um, to make sure that I'm not promoting just culture fit. In fact, I just did in a series of interviews with some people not too long ago. And 
I can't tell you that I wasn't thinking, is this person going to fit with the culture? Mm, So I need to do a little bit of rethinking now. Yeah. But, but I'm going to, I'm hope that we're going to challenge our listeners to do the same thing today. Yeah. And what a great example. I think that, you know, we're always learning, right. And even though, um, we think we've, we've, you know, been keeping current, right. We, we can always learn something new. And that's what I love about this podcast is it really helps us to, to, keep current and to dive a little deeper and really reflect and think about some things. And we love that our guests bring us that as well. Oh, yeah. So that's where the nuggets are really. Yeah. I, mean, I think that we both are well, fairly brilliant, but <laughs> the reality is that we are, I think we're resourceful. We know a lot of people who have some really wonderful answers. And, and isn't that really what leadership's about often? You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to know that you can access them through other people who may be experts in those fields, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, gosh, what you just brought up there is so important. And I was thinking one of those mind shifts that have happened le- recently is around this. And I think Microsoft, you know, kind of brought us there, um, Sanjay, um, around not being uh, an expert, but being the learner, right? And so really thinking about shifting our mindsets. And I think we talked about this last time around making sure that we're always um, we're always presenting ourselves as a learner and and encouraging our people around us to do that as well. So the world is changing too fast for any of us to be an expert. Well, and I, that's so brilliant. I love the way you said that because it is true. It The world's changing too fast. And I don't think anybody expects everybody or even one leader to be an expert at, at everything and lead effectively. It's hard. It, you know, it's very difficult. And we live in a world now with multiple generations working within the same walls. And they all come to the table with a different focus the younger you are, the more altruistic I think your focus is um, often. And I'm not saying that we don't have more senior seasoned people who are not altruistic. I don't mean that at all. But I find that there are a couple generations now that are in our workforce who really do have that front of mind. And it's probably a little off-putting to come into an office setting where we're out to make money. We're out to get a product out there. We want people to like our product and we'll tell them what they like. (laughs) When in (laughs) fact, these, these younger generations are looking at things and saying, no, I think we need to be doing what is, what is the impact this has on people? What is the impact this has on our earth? What is the impact this has on our climate? You know, and, and, um, I think that's pretty noble if we can get all generations to hear the message. So your message about being curious, basically, right? Yep. It makes me want to put the word curious up on the wall yep. and say, keep that front of mind. You know, it's like curiosity may have killed a cat somewhere <laughs> along the line, but you know what? Satisfaction brought them back. And, and I feel that it's really all about um, finding the answers. And if you have the answer today, there may be a different answer tomorrow. Yeah. And that's part of the richness, right? Of all the bringing different people with different perspectives and different backgrounds um, and different experiences into the workplace. And I think that's what we're going to talk about next. It is what we're going to talk about next because that is basically culture ad. Um, When I was looking through these articles, 
what came to mind for me is that I, I put a line down the middle of the page because I thought, you know, I've got to get straight. I've got to get an understanding of what's the difference between one and the other. And so I didn't do a very good job of matching them every time, but uh, just a few that I picked up on that I thought were really pretty interesting. Uh, one was that if you look at culture fit, um, the focus on cul- with culture fix- fit is on um, a stagnating culture with same ideas. You know, maybe an older culture, very bureaucratic, has been around forever. That Fortune 50 or Fortune 100 company that has been on the has been our Dow Jones and re- industrial average, right? And that's how we how we that's what we look look to when we're seeing how we're doing as a as an organization or as a country. Um, so that's culture fits when you're looking to hire, you know, looking for a culture where the everybody who comes in has similar ideas, same ideas. Whereas a culture ad, we're looking at somebody who has some evolving ideas, different ideas. They may have and hopefully have um, compatible values. You want to make sure that whomever you, you bring into your organization is supportive of the values that the organization holds dear, because why else would anybody, you know, why else would you hire somebody if, if it's not just to fill a need, it is, you want to make sure that they're not going to be so, um, different in terms of their values that they're going to be miserable and the company may be miserable as well. So um, if there's always, culture ad always includes the fact that there is that compatibility with the values. It doesn't have to be the same values, but it needs to be ones where you can live with them because they, they're not so far off your, your norm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important, the piece about... Um, you know, clarity, I think that's the first step of that, right? Clarity around your values, yes. both from the organization and from the individual standpoint. And that takes some work. They really, and, you know, we like to think of values as being bedrock, and they should be, mm-hmm. and consistent over time. But I'll tell you, with all the things that have been happening in this world, we hope that people are taking a look at their values and saying, are these current? Are they working for us? And um, that's mm-hmm. a really important thing that I think you and I have really had some success working with organizations and with individuals about how do you actually identify what your values are and then how do you build cultures and how do you build organizations that are aligned with that? Absolutely. And I, I think that is so important when you look at, and Andrea even talked about this last week um, around the idea that, you know, it starts at the top. And so when we are talking about values, we want to make sure that leaders at all levels, actually, and we're talking from the top to the entry level, are talking about the values, know what the values mean, can find a place in their world where the value has either been played out or that they could play it out because it is not so far off of the way they would conduct themselves. And those kinds of things, I used to work for a company a long time ago where we did a values shifting, um, organization or living our values is what we called it. And, um, we started at the top of the organization and we made our executives teach the next tier down and the executives in the next tier taught the next tier down and so on and so on until we put the entire organization through values training. And it was the the point of it was to get them continuously talking about the values. And so it took four years. It took a long time, but we got all 5,000 people in the organization through this, um, you know, three or four day 
program. Yeah. Took him away to a hotel and, you know, made him do the Macarena. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. beyond the Macarena, it was, it was something that changed people's lives. And so now when you were talking about hopefully people are looking at or organizations are looking at values, I hope that's true too. I hope this is really this big change we've been going through has sparked um, a need to take a look and say, are these the values we want to hold on to or do we need to reconnect with something different? Yeah. And, you know, I, I just think that um, this is the time to do it. Yeah. It's not too late. Yeah. And to get really clear about what does that actually look like, because it might look different now, too. So as yes. we continue to evolve as organizations, the behaviors that we're looking for might slightly shift. That is so, that's so true. And you, you almost have to redefine everything, right? Yeah. So when you're redefining it, what are the actions that support it? What is the, you know, how are you going to have, what evidence is going to tell you that somebody's living that value? If it's the old behaviors and they don't work anymore, then is that really what you want people to start yeah. communicating and, um, and demonstrating? Probably not. Not if you want to move into a more innovative world, if you want to make sure that your organization is on board with DEIB, if you want to um, make sure that you are sparking engagement across your workforce, you really need to be, it all starts with the values. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just bringing back one one um, comment that that Andrea said in last week's podcast, she said, your culture is the worst thing you're willing to tolerate. <laughs> and I was like, well, slap me upside the head on that one. You know, oh, man, we, that's called, that's called truth. And that's what she's so good about telling. It's like, okay, here's, here's the reality folks. We need to really examine what are we tolerating in this organization? And that's really where our current current state is regarding our culture. Yeah, we can say the aspirational stuff, but if we're tolerating mm-hmm. this poor behavior, then then we're not we're not creating the culture that we want. No, and you know, that's so important and we see it all the time actually. You know, we see behind closed doors behaviors, right? That do not um, espouse the values, if you will. You know, it's it's definitely um, something that you don't want to see. It's that worst it's that worst case scenario, you know, your, your values are the worst you see, right? And that's awful. That's just awful to think. So is that what you want your organization to be like? Or do you want to change it? And how do you do that when people are already skeptical? They're already, you know, just a little bit jaded for, you know, the fact that they've worked in an organization, in some cases, 20, 30 years, right? And they've They've always seen it done this way, and now you're asking them to change. So how do you do that? That's that's the key, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what else did you find out, Trisha? So I also found out one thing that I thought I did want to um, focus on a little bit, and um, and it was just when they were talking about culture fit. You want to be careful not to hire to maintain your current culture if you're looking to shift your culture. And you Mm -hmm. have to be willing to embrace the idea that no matter how much you want to change the culture, it's going to take years. Mm -hmm. When I think about hiring for culture ad, you'll never get your culture probably. You, You 
probably could maybe achieve that almost toxic culture if you had culture fit, mm-hmm. you know, because you're, you're being very specific. You've got a box of here's the, here are the behaviors we want and this is what you need to do. And that shows us that you're living the values and that you're in our culture. But if you're asking people to bring it, if you're asking people to bring their difference, if you're asking them to bring their innovative selves, their ideas, their thoughts, and everything is something you haven't looked at before, how can you ever get to really just one value or, i sorry, one culture? I think you'll get to a culture of growing. You'll get mm-hmm. to a culture of diversity. You'll get to a culture of innovation. And, that, and you, you can put your stamp on those words, but they're going to change. They'll evolve constantly because every time you hire somebody, you're bringing in something new, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the evolution, right? It's we're trying to not necessarily um, have a revolution, but an, an evolution. We mm. want to keep things moving forward. Otherwise, you know, we, we shrivel and die, really, as an as an organization, if we don't bring fresh new perspectives and ideas, um, and oftentimes that comes from um, diversity and mm-hmm. making sure that we're being inclusive and we're creating places of belonging, that doesn't mean that everybody thinks the same way. It means that we actually have some differences, which might actually create a little creative um, tension. Tension, yeah, yeah, yeah but. Isn't that amazing? Because when we work through that, mm-hmm. we end up in a much better place. And the research shows that, right? I mean, it's just clear that um, we have more different ideas that are coming to the table with mm-hmm. people with different backgrounds. They bring such richness to the workplace and we have better outcomes. I want to caution people who are listening to this that they not politicize it because mm-hmm. um, we're not politicizing this at all. Um, culture is what it is. And businesses have been, there have been business cultures and subcultures within businesses for since business started. So this is not, we're not trying to take a side except to say that it looks like right now, at this time in our world, people are finally hearing culture ad as a term. It's, it's probably, maybe other people have heard it like I did before, but they sort of like washed over it, but we can't afford to do that anymore. You know, we're finding out really quickly that a lot of the things that we were able to push to the back burner in the past, we can't do anymore. And that requires that curiosity you were talking about. It requires that we look at things very differently and we're all going to be out of our comfort zone for a while because we're trying to reinvent and evolve and evolution it i thought that was a great word because you know when you look at darwin you know and and <laughs> evolution of animals you know and and the evolution of different plants and things on and species in our earth um same thing happens in business the same thing happens in business and i i can remember for years thinking oh it's all cyclical every seven years they're going to go back and they're going to do the same thing they're going to decentralize they're going to centralize they're going to decentralize you know and i saw it for years happen like that but now I don't think that that's a luxury. It's a luxury we can't really afford to do anymore. I think yeah. we really need to say, don't worry about what the model is. Let's look at what we need to bust in the model to make it work for going forward. Yeah, it's my thought anyway. The systems are broken. Right. They are broken, and we and we need to put them 
we need to not put them back together. <laughs> I was going to say we need to put them back together in a new way, but we need to not put them back together. Yeah, I'm thinking they might make a, a great display behind glass at the <laughs> Smithsonian or something. <laughs> yeah. There was um, one of the things I mentioned, and, and you did as well, Crystal, and it was about um, some of the things that come from culture ad, and one of them is best practices around uh, hiring for diversity or hiring diverse um, people, you know, skills and, and talent. And, and so when I was looking at Kazoo, it's K-A-Z-O-O, if you want to look up the um, article, but they had five best practices for diverse hiring. And a couple of them really hit home because a few of them kind of pushed up against things that I've been saying for years, and now I'm rethinking it. One of them is beware of bias. Don't trust your gut. And I have always said that my values are my gut instinct, right? My gut feelings. And so if something doesn't sit right, and I know that my gut feelings are not feeling great, then something's not right. I'm not, I'm not looking at it correctly. But I think instead, I'm not, it's not that I need to stop. And you said this to me earlier. It's not that I need to stop trusting my gut. It's just that I need to be aware that 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 instinctive bias that I may be harboring, I mean, I try not to, but I try to be aware, but we all have it, right? And so I need to be really careful that that needs to be challenged every time I say, I'm going to trust my gut on this. So I think that's, thoughts? you know, thanks for being um sort of forthright with that and vulnerable to say that. I think that that is really, really true. And we, we all are going to have our gut feelings, but we have to examine those to be, so we want to make sure that we're not living unexamined um, life and making un, unexamined decisions. Um, and gosh, we're all on this path of, of learning. And so so thanks for, for sharing that. My pleasure and my... Um it actually feels like I need I need to say that out loud. You know, I often find that when I say things out loud, and maybe my our listeners will feel the same way. Sometimes when you say things out loud, it becomes real. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. There, I said it. Um, another thing that they they said was look for shared core values, and we've been talking yeah. about this. So, you know, when you're talking about best practices for diverse hiring, look for those shared values. Because at the end of the day, you know, I think we were all raised from, you know, by either parents or some parent figure. Um, we either went to school or hopefully we went to school or we had went to church or we had other influences and our own life experience has helped us build the values that we have, the things that we push up against when we're trying to make a decision. Those things that tell us whether it was a good decision or maybe not such a good decision. So the looking for shared values, I think, is really what matters because at the end of the day, it's the shared values that you're hiring in a way. You're also hiring the difference. You want yeah. the difference. You want them to come in and bring their richness to an organization. And if it's something you've never heard before, here's your curiosity going into play. Yeah. Wow, that's different. Never thought of it that way. How would we do that? And let people own what they're doing. It, it drives accountability. It drives engagement. It drives a sense of um, people wanting to contribute. You know, yeah. makes them feel like they belong. Yeah, absolutely. And not like they should just feel that way. They do belong. Right. You know? Yeah. 
Um, the other one was ask interview questions focused on behaviors. And I think we've seen that for years and years and years, you know, behavioral based interviewing is, is very important. I think we have seen in some cases, uh, that has gotten a little kind of, wishy-washy, you know, with respect to trying to really find, um, what behaviors you're, you know, trying to flesh out the behaviors you're looking for. And I'm going to say, use that star model, you know, that situation, task, action, (laughs) and result that always is a good way. If you're taking an interview, think about the star model. Um, I think think also just, um, as a, as a point for uh, making sure that we're, um, when we're interviewing people and we're selecting people for positions that we make sure that we aren't including everyone. Um, and we have to really think about what do, what do these various experiences look like? Mm-hmm. So do we really actually need 10 years of experience doing the same thing? Or do we have somebody who has maybe less experience and it might not be totally oh. applicable but we know that that actually will help them be successful in that new role. So those are a lot of the biases come in there as well. Yes. And so we have to be careful about that. And oh, I love that you said that because that is what a lot of businesses still do today. You know, they hire um, hiring people, right, recruiters and stuff. And they go to school and they learn certain ways of doing things. And so they follow their, their protocols and probably don't, often think about, okay, well, if it, if it says that you need to have 10 years of experience and a, and a master's degree in physics, that, um, if you don't have that, we can't hire you. When somebody coming off the street who may be an absolute genius and who has done something in two years that we would have hoped to see in a 10 year experienced person, but may not get it in the interview, you know, just because a person's got the experience doesn't necessarily mean that they bring it. Yeah. And so it's important to, I, I think what you said is so important. There are so many things that we are missing, I think, in, in terms of um, opportunities to even hire from within, you know, mm-hmm. look at bringing people up internally. There are a lot of businesses that are completely committed to that. And I applaud you because I worked for, I've worked for businesses that did that. And I am, I I was a recipient of it and I appreciated it. And I've worked for other businesses that don't typically do that. And it's unfortunate because it, you know, engagement takes a hit and so does diversity. It takes a huge hit, you know, and it's, it's a message in itself. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. we just have to think broader and, and more expansive around Mm -hmm. what qualifies you for a job. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, let's see. Also, this, this was good. Number four on their list of five was, um, build a diverse hiring team. Yeah, absolutely. So critical. Yeah. Well, when, when, uh, Andrea was talking about, you know, her internal community and how they represent her external community, basically, you know, it's so important because, you know, I represent, I, as an employee, represent a portion of the population that uses the services in my business. And every one of us in the business has a role in that, you know? And so it's important to have a really diverse hiring team that takes a look at things differently. And we know for a fact, we've heard, you know, horror stories about, you know, people who are in 
you know, different um, ethnic groups that have had to work twice as hard, three times, five times as hard to even get their foot in the door because they had a one, um, a a non-diverse basically group of hiring people. You know, and when you just have one ethnicity doing all the hiring and they don't take into consideration all of the things like you were talking about before, all the things that are unique and all the situations that could come into play that don't come into play for everybody. Yeah. Right. So important. Yeah. And then the last one I have is judge all candidates using the same criteria, Mm. which, yes, but I've seen where that doesn't work very well. Sometimes, yeah. so I I would love to challenge any leader out there to if you're hiring, make sure that you keep your criteria the same for everyone. Yeah, and that everybody's using this the same criteria. So when you've got that panel, that can be challenging too, yes. right? So making sure that you have good conversations at the end about well, why did you select this person over that person, or why did you score that one higher? Yeah, for sure. So so good. So you found an article in. What HBR? I did. Right? I found something in HBR that I just wanted to um, share real quickly because I know we're getting to the end of our time here. But as we're thinking about this concept of culture ad, so what do you do when you actually have somebody in your culture that really rises to be a star? They're bringing even more of mm. the ad to the culture. And a couple of things that they mentioned in this article. Um, was making sure, and I thought these things actually, I think apply to everyone, but especially for those people that are kind of stars, um, make sure that you're listening to their ideas. These things are sort of, um, must haves. I think we talked about that last time, must haves. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that we're listening to their ideas because they've got great ones. They've, they're very dedicated. They've, they're spending a lot of time thinking about the business and thinking about how to make it better. And if we're not listening to these ideas, that really reduces engagement. And they're probably are going to go somewhere else, right? Someplace that people will listen to their ideas. Um, they're interested in growth, right? They don't want to just stay in this one position forever. And so really thinking about how can we engage them in identifying what's important for their growth and finding ways to make that happen. Ways, of course, that benefit the, the business as well. But if they feel stuck or stagnant, they're not going to stay either. And then um, recognizing the the good work that they're doing. So taking every opportunity to praise them. And again, I think <laughs> this is all good for everyone. But I think what they're saying here, especially in the middle of, you know, this, um, the resignation, great resignation, um, we really need to make sure that we're attending to these things, even though we're, I know everyone is really, really busy, but we've got to take care of our people and especially, um, the people that are really our sort of workhorses, the people that are really, um, our culture ads. Yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And I think that that's, um, it's a wake up call for some people who may not have even thought much about it. They may think, well, I give them a pat on the back once in a while and they're doing a good job. But I have been in exit interviews with people who have specifically stated, and they were our top performers in another business I work for and, um, top performers were leaving in droves because we had no 
opportunity for them to move up. We didn't give them enough development to keep them engaged. And we had no, we were not able to pay them in a way that made it worth their while. Well, at this time in our world where people are taking advantage of the great resignation, right? It is still a worker's uh, market right now. It's yeah. still a job seekers market. And so for leaders who are thinking that now we're pretty much past that, I don't think we are. I think that it's going to be in waves. And I think the economy might be driving some of that. But I think that it's going to be in waves for a while. And people are just not taking things anymore. I was listening to an a radio station, I won't tell you which one it was, but um, they were talking about um, unions and the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, there were probably only about 10% of the workforce was belonging to unions. And now it's up to over 30% and rising. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people who are going to become union members or are trying to become union members are salaried employees who are like supervisors and you know, managers and yeah. administrative folks. And so it's not impossible for that to happen. Yeah. If they don't feel like they're being taken care of, they might do something like that as well. So it's just a thought. I'm just throwing that out. But um, I agree with you. I think that it's it has you have to almost take a look at those stars and say, you know, do, are we doing a talent review? Have we marked somebody as, you know, a potential CFO, CEO, you know, five years down the line, what do we need to do right now to get them started down the road so that they're ready to take the, the job at some point? What risks do we have to give them to see how yeah. they handle it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so of course, all these things apply to all employees, but, mm -hmm. but it is important, just like you were talking about, to do a talent review and to really say, who are our critical employees that we're relying on to really make this business better? So, um, and great. don't forget the culture ad people and know, the culture ad because that may be your your best candidate going forward. Yep. Well, this has <sighs> been fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to leave you with a couple challenges. We're at the end of our time, and you can find these on our website um, under the the this podcast, which is podcast seven. So the challenge is, what can you do before day one? That's something that, that Andrea talked about. It's like, how do we, how do we make sure that our employees, uh, our potential employees, even feel they understand our culture and they, and we want to make sure that we're attracting culture ad uh, employees, people who come to us with um, with motivation, with new ideas with different perspectives, different backgrounds, different experiences. So what can you do before day one to create this environment of culture ad? Second challenge, how are you showing your stars? Have you identified those stars? How are you showing your stars appreciation? And then of course, all employees, how are you showing all employees appreciation? Hope that you have fun with that over the next week, a little reflection time. So in closing, um, let's continue this conversation. We hope that we um, spurred a little bit of um, thought for you. And maybe uh, maybe you agree with us on some of this stuff. And maybe you're thinking, I'm not turning them back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully you'll stick with us. We kind of went out a little bit on an edge. And I just want to also put a little you know, one of those disclaimers at the end, mm -hmm. you know, Trisha and I are definitely learners in the 
in the space of equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Mm-hmm. We we are there around that regarding value, and we but we are learners. So I hope that most of what we said was. Um, resonates with people and that we're on target. And if we're not, let us know. Yeah. And uh, email us, send us a message. Um, we'd, we'd love to keep that conversation going. We have every intention of staying on the learning path. I mean, there's so much to, to learn. And I know that I have a lot to learn, but I'm enjoying the ride. Yeah. You know, yeah. totally. You got to start. So um, if you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on our social media channels at Lifting Leaders. We have more amazing podcasts coming up, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. We'll have those articles noted. If you're looking for help in developing leaders, developing culture, even developing organizations, we would love to help you. Also, if you're looking specifically for a growth opportunity for yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website. We'd love to help you. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. And lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Trisha. This was so much fun. It was. Thank you, Crystal. And thank you to our listening audience. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week. Take care.